Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Rolling on, hook him up with Ian Rodby on a Wednesday, getting you up over the hump into Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League. Also, uh, more developments around Texas football. The transition phase continues. More players into the NFL draft. The portal continues to be active. Longhorns looking for players in that portal. We'll get to the latest and behind the burn orange curtain this hour. Also talking Cowboys and Texans in the wild card playoffs. And as we said, the night game on Saturday. Be ready. It's on Peacock. It's only streaming on Peacock. It won't be on NBC. You got to stream it and uh, could be one of the coldest playoff games on record. There's going to be a lot of shrinkage out there. Sort of significant shrinkage. And as we said earlier, the Chiefs receivers can't catch the ball when the temp, the when the when uh, elements are ideal. Yeah. What's going to happen when it's zero? <laughs> and they can't feel their yeah. fingers. Seriously, man. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those games we got to run the football. And I don't, I don't even know if the Kansas State Chiefs have a good running game this year. I haven't really paid much attention. Pacheco. It's okay. He's Isaiah a, Pacheco's come on late. I mean, okay. I think they're trying to offset their passing woes with some Isaiah Pacheco. Um, so, yeah. And Miami's pretty good on defense. Miami's banged up on defense. Bradley Chubb, their their pass rusher, got hurt in that game against Baltimore. Knee injury. He's going to be out for the rest of the year and certainly maybe into next year for them. Uh, they got some dudes down on the defensive side. And the Van Ginkle's hurt. Yeah. Um, they're banged up. And um, I, I just really like the uh, – I know the trendy pick is to pick the Dolphins here. I like the Chiefs here. Mm, no. um, I just think because people have seen the Chiefs all year, front and center, dropping balls. Uh, Chiefs essentially had a bye week last week, and I think you're going to see a good good version of Chiefs. And I, did, I just think the Dolphins are going to play very well in zero degrees. <laughs> yeah, and I'm with you. All, all the trends from over the years, we're talking about now, you know, a decade plus of research. This is before Mike McDaniel, just as an organization. The Dolphins don't play well in cold weather. Yeah, it's and it's just, it, just it makes sense because they live on South Beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, they just don't play well in cold weather. And Tua, as you pointed out, Tua's never really had been exposed to it until he got to the league, I'm sure, but nothing as cold as what they are projecting Night for game Saturday. Saturday. Like sub-zero temperatures. Yeah, no precipitation, pre- precipitation, but that's that's really cold. Nice. Uh, and I would also say this, Rod, think about this for the, for the Dolphins. This will be a, a, the fourth game of a four-game stretch where they played the Cowboys – and were fortunate to win 22-20, but then they lost. The, then they went to Baltimore, lost to Buffalo. Now they're playing the Chiefs. That's four really good, really physical teams in a row. Yeah. Um, that just that, that Cowboys game was a physical football game. Um, on on uh, what was that New Year's Eve? Am I right about yeah. that? Or Christmas Eve? That's Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Christmas yeah. Eve. Um, the the weekends are running together. That was Christmas Eve. Cowboys played the Lions on New Year's Eve. Uh, but either way, but that was so. Yeah, Cowboys tough, hard fought game. But you know, Baltimore beats the brakes off of them uh, in the rain, and then here comes Buffalo last week, and they get beat at home, and now they're going to Kansas City in the cold. I really like the Chiefs in that spot um, on Saturday night. But yeah, uh, me too. Just yeah. off the championship DNA, they've been there. Well, you know, we talked about Miami not being able to win big games um, against real, against good teams. Uh, this season, they've struggled with that. They're one in five, I think, versus playoff teams this year. 
I'll take Kansas City, and it's more just about pedigree. Yeah, DNA right and home field, man. They're and good at field. Arrowhead. Home field's a big part. Uh, and, the, and the interesting part, this is you know this weekend is the wild card weekend, but man, divisional playoff weekend, which is next weekend, my favorite weekend of the NFL year. Um, you know, we're gonna see something new if the, if the Chiefs are able to win that game, and Buffalo as a ten point favorite can beat the Steelers. The Chiefs are gonna have to travel to Buffalo. Chiefs have to go to Buffalo. Yeah, they they've never That's played. never happened. Now to Patrick Mahomes, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have never had to play a road playoff game. Yeah, the other uh, AFC, crazy, yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> but, uh, and obviously the winner of the Browns-Texans game will have to go to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Uh, mm, in, that, I guarantee the Ravens are hoping that the Texans pull off the upset. Yeah, they don't want to play the Browns. They don't want to see the Browns because they see the Browns know the Ravens really well. Not a lot of teams know the Ravens. The Browns do, and the Browns also won't be shell-shocked by Lamar Jackson. They see yeah, they Lamar see him twice Jackson a year. Well. So they got a, they got a blueprint for Lamar Jackson. They got the best defense in the league. Uh, they have familiarity with that team. The all, I think the biggest advantage for – Baltimore in that situation will be. I know we're looking way ahead because um, we obviously hoping. I'm hoping the Texans pull the upset. But the biggest advantage would be that Todd Monk in offense is not something that the Ravens prior to this season have had familiarity with. So really, most of their sample size for Lamar Jackson and how they're going to defend him is just from the games they got this season because he's a different quarterback in this offense that they've spread out with receivers, and now they're kind of a they're, – they're, they're pass-oriented when they at first were run-oriented yeah. before. And they, they split the season series – or the regular season series, and the Browns did win one 33-30 in the second matchup in November. So, yes, and obviously over in the NFC, the, uh, the winner of the Monday night game between the, Steel, the Buccaneers and the Eagles would go to San Francisco. Cowboys, if they're able to beat the Packers on Saturday – or on Sunday afternoon, would host the winner of the Rams-Lions game. The Rams. Yeah, baby, the Rams. They've won seven of eight, Rod. I've told you this, seven of eight into this playoff uh, setting, and their only loss was an overtime loss in Baltimore, who's the best team in the league right now. Uh, and it was a, I watched most of that game. It was a hell of a game. That was, that was, I mean, it was, it was back and forth. It was Lamar Jackson, big plays. It was Matt Stafford making big plays. Uh, and it got to OT. It was a hell of a football game. It actually ended on a punt return. For a touchdown by Baltimore. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Tyler Wallace, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a that was a really good football game, and that's what I was like, man. I need to pay attention to these Rams. They're pretty damn good. They lost the game, but that's that's their only loss in the last two months since their bye week. And so Matt impressive. Stafford's playing good football. They're going to Detroit, where, as I said earlier, it's kind of unfair to Lions fans. You're finally hosting a playoff game, mm-hmm. won a division, and you got to see your old guy Matt Stafford rolling in there on a heater. The place is going to be loud, though. It's going to be quite the scene. They ain't had the chance to cheer on a postseason game in a long time in Detroit, man. That place is going to be crazy. Yeah, this is crazy. This is, hey, guys, Michigan alum here. Appreciate the show. Says the the Jolly Good Fellow song goes back to midseason when Harbaugh started recognizing top performers. Quirky, no doubt, but wasn't a new Uh, thing this week. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. That's good stuff right there. That makes sense. Thank you for the perspective, the context. Yeah, and how about Jim Harbaugh? He he won the Natty. He only had to coach six games this year. Only to coach six games. <laughs> I know that's a, honestly that's a testament to what he's built. It yeah, it really is. is. It I is. Mean, I was yeah. able to live without him. And, yeah. and, and and there are a lot of folks that believe. We talked about this last night on the Longhorn live stream, Rod. We asked the question. I'll do it right now for our eight o'clock hour audience moving forward. When the Longhorns play at Ann Arbor next, and even to the texter who's a Michigan guy for the uh, when Longhorns travel to Ann Arbor next September seventh, or this September seventh, mm-hmm. who will be the coach of Michigan? Because I think we all are on board that Jim Harbaugh is going to jump to the National Football League. I'd be, I think it'd be a surprise if he doesn't I'm with at you this at point. That point. Yeah, too much pointing to that decision. But who will be the coach? Because I know in Ann Arbor, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh's kind of pushing for Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, to take the job and just promote from within and keep the machine rolling. 
Um, Ooh, to give that to somebody who's unproven, though. Oh, I know. Oh, well, yeah. You I know, know he's got. I know he's, he's got some games he's coached this year. But yeah. Somebody for the most part. And that would be the, that would be Harbaugh's argument. Look, I missed six games. He coached them all. Won them all. Yeah. Uh, won a game at Penn State you know, when I wasn't there against yeah. a uh, you know, top uh, fifteen team. James Franklin ain't no big game coach though. <laughs> well, we'll see. But I, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be Sharon Moore, but it could be. Hmm. But if it's not him, is it Brian Kelly? Is it Kalen DeBoard? Who will be this? Whoever it is, is going to be a new coach at Michigan, I believe, next September seventh when the Longhorns play up there. So we'll take that uh, question out there. And uh, this says, guys, I've told you before, and I've said it again. Someone needs to do a dazed and confused type movie based on Ty's life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with that, man. I'm with the sitcom, maybe. Uh, and well, I just think Ty's got a lot of great stories, I and mean, he shares them with us, and we appreciate it. But. Uh, I mean, he's only 25. I don't know how he has all these great stories. He, he lives a life. Because well, he started like when he was like 13 or 14. Getting branded yeah, by a girl. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. He started so damn early. He started way earlier than the rest of us with these degenerate activities. I've slowed, slowed down as of late. He's hey, slowed down since you and were And now he's got a girlfriend. <laughs> I, you know, I think the worst part, not the worst part, the, the high watermark for Ty oh, was man. after he broke up with his one girlfriend and he was single for that stretch and he was kind of living at the Deep Eddy, Deep mm. Eddy Cabaret. I haven't been oh, back yeah. in a while. And see, now now you got a girlfriend. you got some stability <laughs> in your life, yet you still stopped at the gas station for the uh, Delta 8s, and you ended up uh, doing the show last week, or this Monday, with no pants on. No pants. <laughs> Lesson learned. Lesson, Lesson learned. learned. Hey, but if Monty, wow. if Monty's listening out there, yeah, let's, let's get a script going. I'm down. Yeah, I'm saying, I've been saying this for years as well. Member of the Screenwriters Guild. That would be fun. Okay, let's get to the uh, the top stories and the headlines. Rod's got us behind the BOC this hour. we got some off the record this hour. We roll on. Let's get the news. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories. And start with the Longhorn basketball team. Nice bounce back win for Texas last night. After losing by double digits at home this past Saturday to Texas Tech, Longhorns went on the road and beat Cincinnati. Gritty effort in a hostile sellout environment. Uh, it was Dylan DeSue. Props to him. Poured in a career-high 33 points at 19 in the first half, 14 more in the second. That kept the Horns in a back-to-and-forth game. Then with under 10 seconds to go was the sharpshooter. Max Acemus going baseline, drained a 12-footer, kind of rimmed in, bounced up and down, and uh, the Longhorns get the victory. 74-73. Here's Acemus afterwards. We'll continue to, to grow from it, um, continue to understand the intensity we have to play with. Um, you know, the big thing was, um, you know, open up Big 12 play. We didn't, you know, we didn't get a victory. Um, so it was really watching that um, and then seeing how we were going to respond. Um, so we knew it was a big moment for us. And, um, you know, the guys responded right away, um, bringing the right intensity, you know, and playing a full four, four, 40 minutes. Texas improves to 12-3 and three on the year, 1-1 one and one in Big 12 play. They'll return to the, that area of the country this Saturday for a road showdown at West Virginia, 10th-ranked Texas women. Meanwhile, back in action tonight, they welcome TCU to the Moody Center, 7 o'clock tip. Also in college hoops last night, number one and number two both went down on the road in upsets. Second-ranked Houston, their first loss of the year on the road at Iowa State, 57-53. In Lincoln, Nebraska, the Cornhuskers rolled past top-ranked Purdue, 88-72 in Big 10 play. Up in Waco, Baylor uh, beat BYU, 81-72 in a ranked matchup. And Auburn, top Texas A&M, 66-55. Official now, uh, Texas wide receiver A.D. Mitchell will indeed forego his final season of eligibility, enter the NFL draft. He put on a post in a story on Players' Tribune yesterday. Big 12's newcomer of the year revealed that intention. Uh, he led the Longhorns with 11 receiving touchdowns, was second on the squad with both receptions and yards behind Xavier Worthy, Also, uh, who was also headed to the NFL. Since the end of the year now, if you're counting 10, Former Longhorns have declared for the NFL. 13 other Texas players have entered the transfer portal. Nine of those have already committed to new programs. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian and the Horns do have a veteran who's decided to return for a super senior season. Word late last night that linebacker David Benda 
plans to use his COVID-19 year of eligibility to return and play for Texas. NFL, bit of a surprise yesterday with word that Mike Vrabel out as the Tennessee Titans head coach after six seasons. Four of the first four were really good. The last two, not so good. The team's owner decided the decision to move on from the 48-year-old is an effort to build a more aligned, collaborative leadership situation atop that organization. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. I mean, that's a huge surprise. Uh, I did not. I, we knew there were going to be more coaching vacancies in the NFL. I did not expect the Tennessee Titans to go the route of moving on from Mike Vrabel. It's pretty obvious that he and the GM, Rand Carthen, the new GM they brought in, they could not get on the same page. They were not aligned. Even the owner, she said it. She just straight, straight up said it. Like, I'm looking for alignment. <laughs> and these two are not aligned. Um, and that's the second time, or the second GM, I should say, that Mike Vrabel has not been aligned with. The first time, ownership, uh, they, decided to, they, they sided with Mike Vrabel when he got at odds with John Robinson. They were together for a while. And they, built, they built a really competitive uh, team. I mean, that blueprint to win, that bully ball, Late in the season when it got cold in playoff time with Derrick Henry, the, that mammoth offensive line, um, Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown. I mean, they, they played some really good bully ball, and that's when they were at their peak. And then they had to reinvent themselves with Derrick Henry's, you know, starting to get injured, getting older. Uh, Ryan Tannehill starting to regress a little bit. And when they started to try to reinvent themselves, the first move by John Robinson, and I, it's obvious that he did not get the approval of this from Mike Vrabel, was to trade A.J. Brown. That put Vrabel at odds with the front office. The ownership decided to end the rift by firing John Robinson, hiring a new GM, and then the new GM comes in, and Mike Vrabel and the new GM, Rand Carthen, can't get aligned. They can't get on the same page because Rand Carthen, I believe he came in and said, rebuild. That's why they started trading. They traded Kevin Byard, drafting young quarterbacks, and they came in and said, no, we got to rebuild this thing. I think Mike Vrabel was in there saying, no, 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 we can still win some games, make the playoffs. And I think you had two different philosophies within that organization. That's why they didn't trade Tannehill. You wanted them to trade Derrick Henry to the Cowboys. Probably should have. They didn't do that. So half the, half the moves they were making said that they were uh, still competing. And the other moves were saying they were rebuilding. And I think that Rand Carthen ends up winning this power struggle. And the ownership uh, decided they're not going to side with Mike Vrabel in a second dispute with a second GM. They're going to yeah. take the GM side. Well, and, and that number stands out that he's 1-9 one in, one in nine his last 10 uh, divisional games. Houston beat him twice in the last couple of weeks to help win the division. That didn't help. Didn't help at all. Uh, <laughs> and that game that was, was a Houston, big game. The Lovey Blue game oh, was a big game. man, it was, was a huge. big game for the organization, But then, then the Texans got, you know, the, the benefit of the Titans beating Jacksonville. Yeah. Which was like, oh, my gosh, thank you very much. Um, and like, like Vrabel said, they didn't quit. He said, no, we ain't quit. No, they didn't quit. They didn't quit. Yeah. Um, but, man, it was that game when Houston went in there with Case Keenum and fell behind and then still came back and beat them. Uh, they couldn't protect their quarterback. Houston was just bull rushing them. Uh, it just And then they had the game this year where they had the back-to-back block punts. Oh, they had to fire the special teams. They coach. had the fire. It just looked yeah. looked a mess. That's a good point. I looked about a mess, that. and it's like, yeah. And and you know, if you're Rand Carthen, you come in from an organization like the Niners, where they're used to being buttoned, buttoned up, up. Yeah. And looking <laughs> yeah. good. And he's got a vision, and um, Mike Vrabel does too. I think it's probably good for both. I think Rand Carthen can now, because you can fully embrace the rebuild. You know, I remember after the game on Sunday when they beat Jacksonville, you know, Derrick Henry said bye to everybody. He said bye to the kitchen staff. He said bye to the weight staff. He, he said, knows. he said, he you knows. know, he knows it's over. Yeah. 
Uh, and now Mike Vrabel knows that it's over. And you, you made the good point earlier, found the good story, that I, my immediate thought was, okay, I get it, you want to move on, but why didn't you trade him? Why didn't you try to get something for him? Somebody would give you a draft pick for Mike Vrabel based yeah. on what he has accomplished. Uh, it went south in the last year and a half, uh, but uh, somebody given, and it was uh, Amy. Adam, Amy Adam Strunk. Yeah, the, the, owner. the owner who's Bud Adam's daughter. Yep. She did a radio interview where she said they, they don't want to get behind. Apparently they, they've got their person Her quote, in mind. Her uh, quote with 104.5 was, yes, we thought about trading him, but at the end of the day with league rules the way they are, it would have maybe put us back three weeks, honestly, to get the right head coach, I was not willing to go to the back of the line and take a chance of missing out on someone we really wanted. So they got a, they, they got someone in mind, their top candidate. They don't want them, that top candidate to be hired by someone else. Well, and remember, you know, which, you know, this, this kind of depending on who the hire is, there's the Rooney rule. You got to interview so many people yes. and you got to go through that whole process. So, yeah, if you go through a three weeks of trying to trade, you know, mm-hmm. several weeks of trying to trade Mike Vrabel and find the right, you know, partner by the time you get that done and you pick up draft compensation you could miss out on the coach you want yeah and that's uh, kind of the and, process and it's also apparently mike reportedly yeah maybe just for rumor i should say more than anything mike vrabel got at odds with uh the ownership with oh, amy yeah. strong because he had a gm hire in mind that he wanted okay there and you she go. did not go the route that he wanted and apparently one of the reports are that put them at odds as well the interim g he wanted uh ryan cowden um, he was an interim GM uh, with the Titans, and he would like him have to have been elevated to a full-time role. This is according to Boston Globe's uh, Ben, Vol- ben Valen. And Vrabel and Cowden shared responsibility uh, to close out last season. Um, and then when they, fou- they fired John Robinson, that guy, Cowden, ended up out too, and he's with the Giants. He got with the Giants this past uh, offseason. Like, he signed with them like through, I think, 20 – no, no, something like that, like 2024, 2025. So – yeah, that so that's one of the reasons that he not only was at odds with the uh, GM, but then he didn't like what the own the decision that the owner made, and I think that's ultimately when she was like, "Well, you oh you're at odds with me now too." Yeah. So you're at odds with your boss, the GM, I got a guy I just hired, and the guy before that who you brought in, who I brought in with you, and now you're at odds with me. Seems like maybe you're at odds with everybody, and now I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm talking from her perspective. She's like, "Hey, man." You, you know what? We need alignment. And you ain't going to be aligned with anybody yeah, unless that, it's your way. Yeah, this is untenable. <laughs> untenable becomes yes, the word. I mean, yeah. it's, you, 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 I don't think Amy Adam Strunk is saying he's a bad coach. It's no. just at this point, we've got we to gotta have you get along with somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We can't move forward like this. Yeah, you kind of want uh, the Belichick way where it's all your decisions. And if Rand Cawthorn has somebody in mind that they want to go after, we'll see. You mentioned Bobby Slowick, which would be interesting because he's the Houston je- uh, offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came from San Francisco. Mike D'Amico Ryan's like Rand Cawthorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that pretty quickly as the Texans get ready for the uh, uh, Cleveland Browns on Saturday afternoon. Uh, several messages coming in. Appreciate those. It says, how about Brian Kelly to Michigan? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the name, right? That's what you keep hearing. We talked about it with our friend Jerry Hamilton last week. We've talked about it, you and I, Rod. Um, you know, if Jim Harbaugh jumps and when he jumps, would Brian Kelly consider going back to the Midwest where he has ties at Central Michigan, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame? It's not a bad idea. Uh, it doesn't feel like a fit that he could keep that thing rolling. Um, same time, Kalen DeBoer's name out of uh, Michigan or out of Washington has been mentioned as a fast riser who could, uh, you know, keep that train moving. And as we said, Sharon Wright, the offensive coordinator, would be somebody that would be pushed for. Um, uh, no, I don't think Mike Vrabel would take the Michigan job. He hates Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike Vrabel, I think he'd take that Patriots job. That Patriots job came open, though. That that is, is, how about fit? That's a, that's a perfect well, fit. I well, think. two shoes to drop uh, that we're waiting on are the Bears mm-hmm. and the Patriots. 
And yeah, we what's going to yeah. happen there? Yeah, is it, would they would they keep Belichick around? I mean, I guess it's possible. I, you know, I'm open to the idea that they could. Uh, that that if I mean, because remember when Robert Kraft sits with Bill Belichick, they've known each other for 25 yes. years. Yes. Oh, you see the Apple thing coming out? There's an Apple documentary coming out about wow. Belichick and the Patriots. Is it bad? Oh, it's supposed to be like oh, just no holes barred. I'm gonna send. I'll send Ty the uh, the trailer. And you can play, you can play the trailer, and I'll send it to you too. All right, looking forward to that. Well, to that could be you know, bad. Bad PR coming could the, be a reason. It's called the good, the bad, and the untold story Ooh. of the Patriots. Well, that might be a reason because apparently the meetings with Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick are happening this week, and they're going to make a plan. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, Mike Vrabel now being available does seem like kind of a seamless transition, and to keep the Patriot way in in place, and Mike Vrabel would be a, a nice replacement uh, for mm-hmm. Bill Belichick. However, that divorce happens, and then there's the Bears, who you know, who knows what they're doing with Matt Eberflus, who was kind of a foregone conclusion that he was out. But here we are Wednesday, and still no decision from the Windy City. But six openings, and we did mention uh, three different organizations have of all three. Uh, put in request to interview Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, and the uh, Cowboys uh, vice president of player personnel, Will McClay. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the commanders, the Panthers, and the uh, Chargers. Uh, all three interested in talking to not one, but both. It's uh, maybe, you know, you, yeah. can, uh, you need it because all three need general managers and, and coaches. coaches. Yeah. Package uh, deal. They yeah. know each other. Know uh, each other very well. well that's, a good, I, that's a good idea. I like that. Yeah, because I mean, Will McClay's done a great job. And obviously Dan Quinn has been good with Will McClay saying, look, this is the type of player I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the kind of guys with my, you know, you know positionless philosophy. These are – be on the lookout for these kind of guys. Uh, this is what we're after. And obviously it's worked, and uh, they've built a heck of a defense, and whether it's through the draft or some of the, the free agent pickups. I mean, even the bargain free agent pickups that they've done, Rod, have been really good. I mean, the uh, no, uh, the J-Ron Curses. And the, oh, J-Ron Curse was great. They brought him in. Um, I mean, they, and Stephon Gilmore, it's the trades they made. Uh, Stephon Gilmore trade was fantastic. For sure. I mean, it was a great – and even the development of some young guys, right? You got Deron Bland. He's an all-pro. You drafted that guy in late rounds. Was well, it fifth Donovan round Wilson pick? was a late pick who they had late, to sign to a contract yeah. last Year. Well, I mean, one of the better safeties in the league. Yeah, yeah. they've 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 Will McClay's done a hell of a job. Yep, and Dan uh, that's Quinn why the Cowboys are so talented, and that's why this window is here. Yep, because you've drafted so well, you you've already paid a lot of guys big contracts, and now you got another crop of young guys that are coming off rookie deals. Yep, that that you've hit on. That's a good thing, but you got to pay them. It's a and great thing. It's a salary cap league, so you can't pay them all. How do you manage all of this? Uh, becomes the challenge, and uh, I think you know Jerry Jones did a radio interview on 105.3 The Fan this week, which he always does, in which. You know, he had to go back and clarify it, but it made it sound like, you know, Mike McCarthy's still got something to prove, essentially. Because cause they were asked about a new contract for Mike McCarthy. Okay. And he said he's under contract. Like, he's under contract already, yeah. He's still under. He's already under contract. Well, yeah. Hey, man, this is – look, the, the, go back to anything we said in August, September. The Cowboys season starts now. Yep. Whatever has happened from, from beginning to end, this is when the season begins and how it's going to be judged. Um, you know, it's 12 and five or 13 and four, three straight years now. I mean, no, no one's doubting the regular season of Mike McCarthy. We've given him his flowers on that. He has stabilized this team. It's not the up and down roller coaster of Jason Garrett. Uh, they're good. They're a good team. Now they, you know, they've, they've had some, some lull games this year, but it's the National Football League to win 12 or more games, three straight years. But it's about now. It's about now. It's impressive. But... And because this year you did what you did and you're, the Eagles disintegrated. Now, from nine and or ten and one to where they are, you have a chance to host two playoff games, and you know then it's about the NFC Championship game. And so I, um, but as you have said, pointed out pretty clearly for Cowboys fans, 
you know, Mike McCarthy's now married to Dak Prescott uh, with this offense that they've come up with. And, you know, it's been talked about when they got rid of Kellen Moore, um, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott spent hours and hours together going, they're going over plays they liked and, you know, what works, what can we add? Um, you know, the, 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 the staff has talked about footwork and how, how do we line up the passing game with, 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 with Dak's sweet spot and his footwork and uh, delivering the football, and it's all worked. I mean, you want to, but you, you don't want to derail that now because you're about to re-up Dak Prescott on another big contract. Yep. So Mike McCarthy almost comes with the deal now. And if Dan Quinn's leaving to take – I do think Dan Quinn will take one of these jobs this time. Uh, I can't pass up too many of these coaching coaching carousels. If you pass up too many, they'll forget about you. Yeah, they'll pass you up, and you'll become the, you'll become a coordinator then. And maybe that's what Dan Quinn wants, but I don't believe no, so. No, I think he I, wants another shot at it. I believe he wants one more shot at it. Yeah, and I think you remember the Denver Broncos wanted to hire him, but he knew that they were in the middle of an ownership change, and he didn't want that a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Then last year, Arizona wanted him, but he didn't want the whole Kyler yeah. Murray mess and everything yeah. that was going on there. So he he's yeah. going to pick the right job. Yeah, he's going to pick the right one, but you can't keep waiting for the perfect job because there won't be. That's the reason they're hiring a coach because there ain't no perfect job out there. You got to go in there. And you want to solve some problems for for Dan Quinn. Now, if you're Jim Harbaugh, you're going you'll pick like four or five jobs. You can yeah. do that. But yeah, Dan yeah. Quinn, I don't think he's in a position to just be turning down jobs. Well, you year wonder. After year. I think like you said this is the year where if you get offered a job, I think he needs to take it because I don't think he's been offered multiple jobs. In these recruit these uh, coaching carousels, he's been offered one each time, and he turns it down. Yeah, you're right about it. it wasn't the right one. And it wasn't the right well, one. Well, you wonder if the Chargers could be the right one with all the talent and the quarterback in place. Yeah, um, that's it could one. Be. Could be a perfect one. And maybe with Kellen Moore already there, um, you know, and he, and you say, hey, bring I, Will, bring Will McClay with you. <laughs> you know what? I will say this. I don't know if he wants Kellen Moore with him, and I, you know, I always be a Kellen Moore fan, but I. I think he wants to, he wants a Shanahan disciple in his uh, with his defense. I, agree with you on I think that that's, it fits his uh, his scheme. He had Shanahan, obviously my, uh, Kyle Shanahan when he made the Super Bowl run with the Atlanta Falcons. Even after that, he hired Sark. Sark is not from the Shanahan tree, from the the Mac the McShanahan tree uh, that uh, Dan Orlowski calls it. But he is uh, a he is a fan of the Shanahan offense. He talks about that openly. Sean McVay, Matt Lafleur, and Kyle Shanahan. Even following Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, he has. Followed those guys and often adds even Mike McDaniel now he'll add in all of their concepts and he'll add in some of their plays and some of their personnel groupings he throws that stuff in there and I think if you're looking at this, the hires that you know Dan Quinn has made I, I think it aligns with him trying to go get one of those Shanahan disciples whichever well, he, the next one is well and he, he knows how hard it is to stop right he, he's trying to yes, stop and I think he built his defense to stop a Shanahan offense I think that's the reason he is the foremost leader defensively in positionless football on the defense side of the ball with all of his hybrid players and I think Shanahan is obviously the leader on the offensive side of the ball in positionless football. That is not a coincidence that they both came from that Atlanta team at the time. And that's when I believe they were experimenting with it and talking about it. Yeah. And then now when they both were able to accomplish it on their own and construct it on their own, they did it. Dan Quinn did it with defense, with the Cowboys, and he's done it with the 49ers. Took him a while, but now he's got the perfect monster of multiplicity. Out there, monster of multiplicity. Like, I you love can't it. stop it. Uh, like a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's good. And so we'll see where Dan Quinn goes. And yeah, I agree with you. Probably not keeping Kellen Moore. But you know, whoever the Chargers hire, they're going to want to know who the offensive coordinator it's is going to be decision, because Justin Herbert needs to be maximized. It yep. needs to be developed uh, better than it's been so far. Offense needs to be better. Defense. But that's the other thing, right? They they hired a defensive coach in, in Brandon Staley, and it was bad. Uh, so Dan Quinn, but with all those pieces How can already on defense, a Derwin James kind of player, a Boza hybrid hybrid. 
players. Yeah, already They're already some. there. Yep. <laughs> uh, so you wonder if the Chargers would be a good spot uh, for I – mean, I think it would be. And I would say this, if you're a Cowboys fan, you better hope it's the Chargers. Because what if the, Char- what if the Commanders went after them? In your own division, where you got to face Dan Ooh, Quinn twice with a year D-line? with that D line, and now they traded two key pieces off of it. That's um, true; they did trade some pieces. And, off and, of but, it. And, and they still got some good, nice pieces. They on do, it. Uh, but Washington's got a new ownership group, um, new money. They want to rebrand and, and really reboot. Dan bad. Quinn would be an interesting name there yeah. in Washington, like and that. obviously. Cowboy fans would have to deal with him on a, on a uh, twice-a-year basis. Uh, so we'll follow that. Coaching carousels cooking. Cowboys getting ready for a big game with the Packers. Texans getting ready for the Browns. Uh, looking forward to it. We'll have more coming up. But also coming up, more developments from the Longhorn side of things into this offseason. Players coming and going. Uh, portal prospects. Rod will have the latest coming up in uh, behind the burn orange curtain. Also, before the end of the hour, we'll go off the record. And if you missed the tie-wearing-no-pants-to-the-show story, <laughs> we will reset that in off the record because it's a must. It took them up with Ian Rodby. <laughs> At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. We're at the Turn. We're halfway through our... Five-hour Wednesday conversation. We're at the turn. Nine, nine holes in, nine holes to go. Making that turn headed home. And a uh, lot to do between now and then. Obviously, Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. We'll go off the record. I just watched that trailer you sent me on the uh, Apple Ooh. docu-series on oh. the uh, New England Patriots, The Love Good, it. The Bad, and The Untold. Oh. We'll play that for you coming up and off the record. It looks like a really mm-hmm. uh, no-holds-barred. I think one of the quotes that I heard from one of the trailers was, we worked for Belichick. We played for Brady. That was Danny Amendola. It's awesome. Yeah, we worked for Belichick. We played for Brady. And then there's a Brady clip right behind it that Ooh. says, yeah, some things were done that can't be undone. Man. And then there's a flash of Jimmy Garoppolo, which goes back to the oh, Belichick awesome. wanted to move on to Garoppolo, move off of Brady, and Robert Kraft had to step in and prevent oh, it and all that. Great. Looking forward to it. And it's this all like, is coming out, uh, the Apple series. Of course. They tell me that. They're like, Belichick might be fired. Perfect time. <laughs> now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. <laughs> well, you're wondering if you're Robert Kraft and you're on the fence, you might say, yeah, might, might be the time to go. Yeah, might you know, he had to approve it. You're right. He's like, no, nah, yeah. Because they probably, it's a good point. I, I wonder if they got final approval of when it would be released. They definitely had to. For but, Apple? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, for, I mean, for the Patriots, like, they got probably that. No, you can release it now. Well, and these, these sports yeah. docuseries have become the rage, obviously, coming off the Bulls, Michael Jordan mm-hmm. docuseries, and the Derek Jeter docuseries, and Tiger Woods had one. Uh, you know, there'll be more, but this one, this is this was a 20-year dynasty. Oh, man. And a 20-year run with Belichick Brady, and I don't think any of us won't tune in to hear the hear the good stuff. No, I can't. Like I said, it seems like they're going to go into the, like I said, the, the good, the good, and the celebratory, uh, obviously, dynast, dynastic accomplishments, but also they're going to get into, if you ever run that long, man, there's some dirt. There's some bodies buried somewhere. I'm not, they're not going to make them look bad or anything, but just the... I think the rifts that happened, just some of the, you know, the, the, the emotions that were, you know, involved and some of the bad blood that came up between Brady and Belichick, there's no doubt they're going to address no it. No question. It'll be fun. No question. And, and those stories, 
because they, you know through all of it, uh, and then also there's a in the trailer, and we'll play it. And you hear de- Deflate Gate, Spy Gate. Oh, it's the gates all over the, the place. Gates. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, interesting. And now Tom Brady is uh, becoming a, a commentator. All right. Brady, I'm sure they're going to they're going to get into Brady leaving and then winning a Super Bowl. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. how that that a oh, how psychologically man. affected Belichick. Oh, it's going to be good. Looking forward to that. Let me mention uh, on the golf side of things at the turn, they'll tee off tomorrow down there in uh, in Hawaii, uh, coming off the Kapalua event. Now they're headed to uh, Honolulu, and that thing will tee off tomorrow. Uh, we'll certainly keep you posted. Also, keeping you posted, our at the turn segment brought to you by Callahan's General Store. Doesn't take uh, much of a glance at the forecast to get over to Callahan's now. We've been telling you about the freezes right of the winter. You know they're coming, and here comes the first hard one. Get over there. Get your uh, spigot drips and your uh, pipe wrap and everything you need. They've got it all for you. All the things to cover your bushes and shrubs and plants and all the tips you need to make sure you're ready to go because I'm looking at it right here, Rod. On Monday morning, that's Sunday night into Monday morning, which is MLK Day. A lot of you folks will be off work that day. Uh, 23 degrees. 23 for a low with high winds, so the wind chill will be pretty brutal uh, Monday morning. And then uh, Tuesday morning, not the wind, but 15 degrees, and then 24 uh, on Wednesday morning. So uh, now is the time to get over to Callahan's General Store, get all of the essentials that you need. They'll have them all. If you wait till Saturday, and remember, they're closed Sunday, so if you you wait till Saturday, they might be running low. Too late. Might be too late, man. Might be running low on some Mm -hmm. things. So get a – don't keep so much in stock. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm saying, Rod. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Uh, there is uh, some at-the-turn conversations. I'll also say this, Rod, because we're going to go behind the burn orange curtain, tr- curtain and talk Texas football. Can I mention Max Aceman hit the big shot last night, Mac a- Max Aceman for Texas. But Dylan DeSue, we talked about this. This has been kind of the transition trouble for Texas where Dylan DeSue is their best player. But Dylan DeSue wasn't able to play in November and most of December. So they're trying to transition their best player in on the fly here yeah. <laughs> uh, through Christmas. Easy, and now. Man. And how about him last night, Rod? 34 minutes, 33 points. He was unstoppable. Uh, 13 of 23 in, in, in from the field goal percentage. He also hit three, four three-pointers, right? Wow. You know, four for 10 from three ball. He was the leading three-point shooter on the team. Aceman's had three of them. He had four. He had six rebounds. And it wasn't just on the offensive end for Dylan DeSue. He, had, he, he uh, blocked two shots. He had four steals. Dylan DeSue was awesome last hungry night. hungry out there. Dylan DeSue was awesome last night. If you're going to get that Dylan DeSue, uh, because and, and this is going to be interesting. The lineup uh, conversation has been big for Texas. Caden Shedrick didn't play last night. He, that was big. According to, uh, to Coach Terry, he had a bit of a back thing fire flare up after the Tech game, so they were cautious with him. Dylan DeSue just wrecked shop. Just wrecked shop last night on Cincinnati. Max Aceman hit the big shot. Dylan Mitchell and Tyrese Hunter both had 10 in the victory. And I'll say this, I'm, it'll be a broken record all year. They played some good defense last night. They actually got stops, Rod. They, they held Cincinnati on their home floor to um, – you know, under 50, like 47% from the floor, uh, 7 of 17 from three. And the big key for Texas is that Cincinnati missed big free throws down the stretch. They only went 8 for 15 from the foul line, and that was a part of it. Texas went 9 for 10 on their foul shots. Wow. And uh, big props to Dylan DeSue. He was a man last night in a big way. Uh, 33 points in 34, 34 points in 33 minutes. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. They're going to need him. Um, and they need that defense. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Block it. Block two that, shots, four steals. That presence down low defensively. That's what they really need. They're going to have a challenge with when they want to go two bigs. And I know, I mean, when you're going Shedrick and DeSue and Dylan Mitchell, you can't, I don't know if you can have that on the floor because Dylan just can't shoot well enough. But if, if DeSue can knock down the threes, Rod, and he can be the guy that spreads the floor yep. and helps you. So if he's your stretch big, 
That's big. That would be big for Texas. And uh, to see him knock down on the road three, uh, three big, uh, four big three-pointers, that's big for the Longhorns, and uh, they get the victory there. So I, I, I wondered this. I don't think they will. But, you know, they literally could just stay in Cincinnati because they play West Virginia Saturday. Oh, yeah, and just fly out of Cincinnati. And, and if you go play West Virginia, they're going to fly back to Austin. School hasn't started yet. Then you're going to fly back to Cincinnati to drive to West Virginia, essentially what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah, when, when, what day is that? They play West Virginia? Saturday. Now, yeah, I guess now, it's Wednesday. Now, Craig Way had taught us that you can actually fly into the airport in Morgantown. Oh, so now they probably have – okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, Craig explained that. They have an airstrip in Morgantown for something the government built back in the day or something. West Virginia's mm-hmm. got all kinds of okay. secret government bunker things that they've been doing there because it's not far from D.C., you know. Okay. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize you could fly into West Virginia. I remember Craig Way giving that storyline. Yeah, he, built this he went in the depth with, with me one time. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's there's, this, all about- there's this government agency that has to fly in every single day, and it's like a 15-minute flight, but they fly in, fly out every day. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they fly to that airstrip they fly out of and then fly to the smaller one in, in uh, West Virginia. Yeah, it's a, and it's all government-based, so who knows, you know what I mean? about that. Okay. I know, I know I'll know. i say this. Well, you know. When our friend, the, the retired Colonel Craig Flowers, was in his training to become, uh, for his role as a, as a special operator. Yeah. Special ops. He, he had to go to West Virginia for some training for a f- month or so. Okay. Right. So, a lot, so there's a lot of uh, secret stuff happening. In well, there's just not a lot of people in West Virginia. So, so that's why. I mean, it's close to the seaboard. It's close to D.C., the epicenter. But it's the federal government to set up shop there and do some but, stuff. But there's, very, there's, a, there's a lot of places to hide in West Virginia. Okay. The mountains have eyes. Mountains. Yeah. You ever try, to, try to drive through West Virginia. There's not a lot of roads, Rod. I'm not trying to drive through <laughs> West Virginia. That's, that's, you ain't got to worry about that. Rod just said <laughs> it. Drive through West Virginia. Nope. I'm yeah, not yeah. trying to drive nope, through West Virginia. I'm not trying to drive through yeah. West Virginia. Never. You go from West Virginia, you know, east towards the, the north up into mm. Pennsylvania, there's nothing, bro. There's yeah. nothing. I know. I'm, if I'm driving through West Virginia, I will be dri- I'll drive the speed limit. I'll make sure of that because I don't want to get pulled over. Forests and mountains. I'm not stopping. I'm trying to gas up before and then drive right over through. Right? Part I got to go through. Yeah, it's, like a, it's one yeah. of the states. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want to stop. I'm sure it's beautiful there, though. Oh, it's beautiful. Sure it's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. I'll see it as I drive. Yeah. It's a pretty drive. There's no it's doubt about that. It's a beautiful drive. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But I was no like, question. There's some place like, I don't know if I want to stop and hang out there. No, don't stop. Don't stop no. in West Virginia. Mm-mm. Unless you're going to the uh, Jason Bourne training school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Can we get to uh, behind the burnt orange curtain? And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? Uh, lots of exciting news on the 40 acres. Uh, the, some of the, the declarations have become final and have been confirmed. A.D. Mitchell has decided that he is uh, entering the NFL draft. He actually wrote a letter to his daughter uh, in the Players' Tribune, and in that letter he, imp- he hints that he is leaving, but in his tweet – um, at Mo City Mitch and on, on his social media accounts, uh, he did say, today I am declaring for the NFL draft. So it's official, official that A.D. Mitchell will uh, be uh, at declaring for the draft, will likely be the top Longhorn drafted, if not the top two, one of the top two Longhorns drafted based on all the mock drafts out there. Uh, it is, so now it's official that A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy and Jay Witt, because Jay Witt exhausts his eligibility, now all those guys are gone. And you lose J.T. Sanders, of course, too, because he's a weapon in the passing game. Uh, and if you include a guy like Jonathan Brooks in there as well because of what he presented, uh, what he would 
actually be a weapon in the passing game because Sark even said running backs are probably the most underutilized weapon in the passing game. If you include JT Sanders and you include Jay Brooks in that conversation, this is overall passing game losses, uh, worthy Mitchell and Sanders, you're talking about over 80% of your receiving yards and touchdowns that are gone. And you're talking about over damn near 75% of your receptions gone. That's a lot of your passing offense, a lot of your target shares gone, a lot of your productivity that's gone. That will be the biggest challenge for Texas this upcoming season is replacing that group. Uh, we had a live stream last night on Texas football. And shout out to my man C.J. Vogel, brought up a really good point that if the – weapons and the skill talent around Quinn Ewers have been able to help uplift his play the last two years. Uh, maybe now with Quinn Ewers, third year in the system with a veteran offensive line returning, um, he should be elevating his game to the point where he can help elevate the play of the young guys who are unproven commodities around him. So maybe we should be putting more of a burden on Quinn that if those young guys aren't to par, that's up to you in the offseason to, to be working with them, making sure you develop chemistry, making sure these guys know about uh, route depth and side adjustments and making sure they know the subtle nuances of route running within the system. That'll be on Quinn because Quinn can work with him as much as he wants to. Yes, he can. You're yeah. right about that. That's the leadership part. Sark can't, but he can. He can. They can gather on their own. Every damn day. And we'll see <laughs> if, uh, if that, that includes maybe two more portal-wide receivers too, Rod, because yeah. they are talking to C.J. Daniels from Liberty and uh, Silas Bolden from Oregon State, already Matthew Golden through the portal. So they are trying to bring some experienced players. But regardless, they're not experienced with Quinn, and they're not experienced in this offense. No. So that's going to – you're right about that. There's going to be some – it's going to be incumbent upon Quinn to take the reins on that and further develop chemistry with a Jonte Cook and a DeAndre Moore and a Ryan Niblett, but also incorporate the new guys that are coming in. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And uh, I think Texas is up to it, obviously. And I like Sark's offense. And uh, these guys will produce, but you – there's no question – that is a that's a that's a heavy loss um, of talent and production on the offensive side of the ball. But we did see the running back room go through it last season. The running back room did pretty good, uh, replacing that talent, and there was very little to no regression in that running back room. Another uh, big uh, announcement uh, today, uh, that, uh, at least yesterday, that we haven't gotten into. David Bender. Uh, David Bender did announce that he's coming back to school. Um, so that's really good news for the linebacker room. Linebacker room now started. I mean, that might stabilize the linebacker room. Uh, you brought up several times, E, that two recruiting cycles ago, Texas recruited a bunch of linebackers uh, in that recruiting class. Uh, they got Anthony Hill now. He's the prodigy. He's the chess piece. They're going to move around a little bit, put him on the edge, put him in off-ball linebacker, blitz him through the interior gaps at times, uh, maybe drop him back in the coverage. You can do a lot of things with him. Uh, and you got Mo Blackwell, who was, who was a hybrid for you mm -hmm. that you used in some of your – uh, sub packages, but he can play full-time linebacker for you now and gives you a linebacker that can run and is comfortable in space. But then you got Benda, who's a veteran, probably a better run-force defender uh, than a pass defender at linebacker. And that's that's those are guys who will stabilize the linebacker core, who've played quality reps and started for you. And then now we expect those young guys, Leon LaFowle, uh, some of those young real those young linebackers to step up and fill the void of talented depth at linebacker. But you've had 
two really good linebackers the last two years. Demario Overshawn and Jalen Ford, and then Jalen Ford and, and a young Anthony Hill ends up being a, a freshman All-American. I think, you know, this year Anthony Hill should take over that lead spot, and then who's going to be the other guy that steps up, right? Is it going to be Mo Blackwell? Is it going to be Benda? I think it'll probably be Mo Blackwell more so than Benda. Benda, to me, seems like he's more matchup-specific versus run teams. Um, I think Bender can be exposed somewhat in coverage, but you got a new linebackers coach too. Don't forget about that. You got Johnny Nansen coming in. Johnny Nansen, yep. And uh, the five linebackers from the 23 class, that's the one better known as the Arch Manning class. Oh, yeah, you go. <laughs> Arch Sorry, y'all. Y'all should, y'all would have known it better with that. Should have said that. He's right. It features, uh, you know, Cedric Baxter was part of that class too, uh, but it features five offensive linemen, but then five linebackers. Uh, Samaje Burrell from Fort Worth, Leona LaFowle uh, from Hawaii, Darian Gallette, uh, who from Teague, Texas, what an athlete he is, 6'2", 225. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a great basketball player. He battled an injury coming out of high school. Anthony Hill and then Tasuli Akana uh, out, of, out of Utah. Yeah. Uh, of course, sister plays volleyball at Texas. So those are your five. And so that you, they, they were getting ahead of this, knowing that mm-hmm. uh, now David Benda, with the return of Mo Blackwell, gives you some depth at that position and a new linebackers coach. And I feel like that's why Sark was so intent on bringing in someone he knows that can develop and to replace Jeff Choate because that's an important position, along with defensive yeah. back, which we're still waiting on some type of word on, on Dwayne Aquina. Uh, oh. Will he be joining Johnny Nansen yeah. uh, to help in this, this there defensive is something back brewing. rebuild? I just, it, it, there is something brewing uh, there, but I don't know how it's going to pan out. I don't, Agreed. I don't know, I, and I can't tell you which way it's leaning. There is, there is interest, I believe, on both sides, but there's, that's far from deals deal. being done and negotiations and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. clearly where they're going with the defensive line and Bo Davis, you kind of trust where they're going on that end, what he's done developing in the D-line, and then you, you knew what we were getting from Jeff Choate, but now you bring in Johnny Nansen, who you know. And clearly, just like receiver, you're overhauling your secondary. Yes, you are. But it, it's an overhaul that, that starts with a higher ceiling of player, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, receiver, you're replacing NFL dudes and, and a tight end that you've never – like you haven't had a guy like that in 20 years. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's a challenge at receiver. Defensive back, you may actually be overhauling it to a better talent, more talent, right? I agree with this. And a different type of player. Yeah. When you're starting in the defensive backfield, because you mentioned eight guys in the, in the portal or in the draft, and we were waiting on yeah. Jade Barron. He, if Jade Barron declares for the draft, it'll be eight then. That'll There's be eight. seven right now. Still, still a lot. And we talked last night on the Longhorn live stream on on Texas football. I, 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 I don't know. Something in me is telling me, and our friend C.J. Vogel, who says over the weekend he thought it was 50-50 on Jade, um, now he's maybe lessened a little of that. He's, he's trying to decide. Andrew Makuba and he are good friends. Like, uh, they're from Austin. He played at Pflugerville. Makuba was an LBJ guy. Um, you'd love to see those two guys playing in the secondary together, trying to develop back there, along with Michael Taff and Derek Williams and Terrence Brooks and uh, – um, Manny Muhammad developing a corner. Boy, that would be fun to watch those two five-one-two kids, uh, young guys, you representing. know, representing. Or five, three of them, because Michael Taft's a five-one-two kid oh, too. Oh, I think about or, that. Be the five-one-two oh, secondary. <laughs> that, that, that's a nice nickname too. Five-one-two crew. The five-one-two like crew. There you go, Rod. See? Yeah, I like that. Five-one-two crew on Man. the uh, at the safety position. That's Derek Williams would be the outlier. Uh, but yeah, three guys from Austin. Uh, that would be fun with Makuba coming back home after starting three seasons at Clemson. We know what uh, what uh, Jade Barron can do, and you know the thing that Jade's apparently wait on. You remember Jade Barron's been invited to play in the Senior Bowl. 
Yeah. That's a factor. Yeah, he's going to get that. a chance to go play in front of NFL coaches at the Senior Bowl. Mm. But, he, you know, he can if he decides to stay, he'll just not accept that invitation. He'll go next year. Uh, but we'll I'm see. i about that. You're right. He, so he, he has a chance to impress coaches. Yeah. We'll see, I think personally. that's what he's kind of weighing. Do I want to yeah. come back and represent the 512 and play with my guy? Or – um, we'll see. And then the Dwayne Aquina thing pending, oh. as you and I have both heard that there's talks being had, there's, there's interest, but, uh, they're, they're not, uh, they're no, there's no finish line in sight at this point on that. Uh, cause what I was told on Dwayne Aquina and you may know better, he, he's happy where he's at. He likes his gig in Arizona and, yeah. uh, he's 67 years old. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have to move. No, yeah, he, you know, he but, likes to, he likes being close to the West coast. Yeah. He's a West coast guy and he wants to be close to the Hawaii really. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a family guy. He, his family means a lot to him and he gets the time. He gets to spend a lot of time with his family right now. So yeah, I'm like, I say, it's not, it's not a done deal, but there is interest. I, I think mutual interest on both sides. Um, and he's only got he's only got a few places where he'll call home, and Arizona has been one of them. Yeah, that's like his Hawaii, second. Arizona, and Austin. Yes, yeah, like <laughs> exactly. He had yeah, Hawaii. He's been at three. He was at Hawaii for a long time. He was at Arizona for a long time. He's at Texas for a long time. Went back to Arizona. He really Stanford is kind of the outlier there, but. He's only been in like three locations. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll follow that. Johnny Nansen is indeed the uh, new linebackers coach in Co-DC. There's uh, some behind the burn orange curtain. Good stuff at that. We'll come back with some off the record, including we'll play that trailer for the new Apple miniseries, docuseries coming out on the uh, New England Patriots dynasty. Uh, the true, the uh, the good, the bad, and the untold. Mm-hmm. We'll play that for you so you can get uh, geeked up about it too. Plus some other off the record conversation stories of a Wednesday morning. D.D. Mega doo-doo, I'm sorry, Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get to break the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Off the record time. Got to say, Rod, as a son, uh, a youngster of the 70s, 2024 is off to a rough start. Why is that? Uh, well, because we already lost, uh, I can't remember which one, one of the uh, two, Starsky or Hutch, died. I think it was Hutch Mom. from my show, Starsky and Hutch, yeah. passed away early in uh, 2024. Yeah. And now the loss of Cindy Morgan, the actress who played uh, Lacey Underall on the uh, film Caddyshack. Lacey Underall, she was the very attractive blonde who didn't wear uh, a bra. Oh, okay. If you'll remember, if you're a, a child of my age, a person mm. of my age, you'll remember Lacey Underall. Okay. Vaguely, I think I remember this. Uh, apparently, she she passed away uh, recently. Uh, roommates noticed a bad odor and stench coming from the actress's room. Grew concerned. They called 911. It's sad. Very, yeah. very sad. So, 2024 needs to slow down. Mm. Needs to slow down. Uh, for my, for my yeah. 70s peeps. No, I'm with you, man. Makes you feel, <laughs> hey, hey, makes you feel old. All right, when you uh, when the sex symbols start dying out for you, he's like, "Oh man, I used to, I used to fascinate, I used to fantasize about her." She was 60, <laughs> she was sixty nine years old. Okay. Caddyshack uh, <laughs> and Tron among among her thirty seven acting credits. Yeah, it's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, off the, are we going to listen to this uh, trailer? Yeah, yeah, you want to lead into it? You found uh, it. That's no, good we stuff. It. Uh, the, okay, so Apple TV, Apple, uh, Apple TV has a new sports documentary about the dynasty of the Patriots. I'm not sure if it's uh, 
miniseries or what, not even sure, but I just saw it early this morning, and man, the trailer got me excited and pumped, uh, especially since you see right now they're going through kind of a reinvention of the Patriots. We don't know what's going to happen with Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, but here is the audio of the P, uh, sorry, the Apple TV uh, miniseries or series about the Patriots dynasty. In pro football, nobody's entitled to anything. You have to go out there and earn it. I was pretty intent on proving myself. We were going to determine the future of football in New England. The Patriots are Super Bowl champions! First dynasty of the century. This game is like a narcotic. You're chasing that forever. Breaking news right now. Spygate. Deflategate. Aaron couldn't separate himself from that dark side. That team won enough to become the villain. We worked for Bill, but we played for Tom. Bill tore Brady's head completely off. There's things that are done that can't be undone. I was just trying to hold it together the best I could. This team will be scrutinized, celebrated, for as long as the game of football is played. February 16th, I think it's coming out. It is a, it is a series. That's right after the Super Bowl, Rod. Yeah. Oh, no, it's great time. It's <laughs> right great. after the Guess Super Bowl. Guess when everybody will be thirsty for more football content because they'll be sad that it's over. Boom, they'll just drop that on you. Oh, it's going to be good. But then I want, you know, I, I'm already jonesing for when they show it, that we watch it, because uh, I wish they had done it for the Michael Jordan documentary. I want, like, on The Bachelor when they bring them all together at the end. Oh, like a reunion yeah, show. Yeah, the live like show after show. it's all done. Oh, see, that's good stuff. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, you, you do want to steal stuff from Bravo then. Yeah. Those reunion, Give me that Bachelor. Those reunion shows are good. Yeah, they are good. Because, like, man, if you get all of the dirt on the table and you have, you force them to have to answer questions about the dirt and all the, the salacious well, and of course, gossip. And, of course, the, the – Oh, it's good stuff. You know, when, when the players or the people sit down to do those interviews, they don't know what's going to come out of it. They answer a million questions, and then mm-hmm. how much of it do they actually pick, yeah. pick and pierce? Well, they get to all see that. Yeah. And then they get to sit and say, wait a second, you said that about, oh, come on now. You're right. We would have done that for the last dance. Oh, that would have been the highest rated. Oh, with Jordan and Pippen? That would been one of the most highest rated Rodman? Program. That have been one of the highest rated programs on American TV that, that year. Yeah. It would have been. After the episode 10? Yep. If they all sat and no Jordan question. was there? No doubt. I would. Everybody would have been watching Who, who, who hosts that? Uh, who would host it? Oh, who would host the reunion shows like that? That's good. That's it a couldn't be question. like Jesse Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get somebody. Yeah, that's a good point. You got somebody that's not Mike a, Tirico. It's a little confrontational, but still not standoffish, not a threat. Joe that's Buck. Good. Mike Tirico could Joe do Buck. it. Joe Buck. Tirico could do it. But, uh, yeah, those guys could do it. You take one of these the broadcasters who, who wouldn't mind essentially being on, the, being on the bad side of Michael Jordan because you might have to ask Michael Jordan the question that made you know him who it might be. Guy like Ben Simmons or Ben Simmons, uh, Bill Simmons. He's a Boston guy. Oh, oh, you know, really would be really good. The inside the NBA guy, Ernie. Ernie Johnson. He'd respected. be perfect. Respected, and you know what I mean. And an NBA guy, he would be good for for the Last Dance one. For the Patriot oh, Last one, Dance Patriots. Maybe for the Patriot one, they got to do somebody different. You got to find somebody different. I think that'd be somebody different, right? It's got to be a football guy. Maybe Tarico, because Tarico. Tarico would be good for that one. I think you're right. He's well-respected. He's yeah. kind of even-keeled. But Respect. he would ask hard questions. Yes, exactly right. Or Costas. Ooh. Oh. Costas isn't doing football anymore. He's oh, a baseball guy now. Olympics in baseball now, pretty much. 
All right. Uh, okay. I, I like that idea, though. The reunions, that, oh. for, these, for these docu-series or reunion okay. shows? I don't, we don't watch The Bachelor, awesome. but the, like those are, the one, those are the best shows. Oh, The Real Housewives, they do reunion shows, and those are always the highest-rated shows. Matter of fact, Salt Lake City just did their reunion show for uh, this last season, part one. They do like four parts, too. They do like part one, part two, part three, and part four. It's awesome. Somebody said if they did that after the Jordan rules, fights would have broken out. That's why it would have been so great. Sometimes these housewives, they get into it too, dude. They start throwing stuff at each other, getting up and walking oh, off yeah. the set. Oh, man. Oh, awesome. no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, man. Pippin. Oh, you can, and you can bring on Larsa Pippin.